Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder of LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating and relationship coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving relationship. And sometimes it's for the first time ever, which is pretty exciting. We have a great show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with relationship expert, counselor, Kimberly Hart, and she's going to be talking about what needs to shift in order to find lasting love. And you might be surprised by the answer. As a dating coach, it's my mission to help women over 40 recognize the qualities of a good man and learn the skills that it takes to make love last. And it is a series of skills, um, and it's, it has a lot to do with what you do on the inside in order to attract what you want on the outside, and we're going to be talking about that a lot today. Most women who come to me for support are amazing. They are fantastic mothers. They are successful in the workforce, and they have challenges attracting the right men into their lives. One of the mistakes that I notice that they make over and over again is the women who come to me in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they have come up through the Women's Lib Movement and have achieved great success in the workforce through a lot of hard work. And unfortunately, they're bringing those same energies that they bring to work, they're bringing those into the dating world. And what happens is a man doesn't know whether he should hire her or date her. Um, Basically, she just comes across as somebody who is competing with him rather than being a woman who he would want to have a relationship with. And these are unconscious things that we often do without even realizing it. Um, Very warm, nurturing women can come across as cold without realizing the messages that they're giving out. So I want to help you, if you're a woman over 40, to find that lasting relationship that you would like. And for that reason, I've created a free guide to teach you what those common mistakes are, the three most common mistakes that that midlife daters make, and this is actually for men or women, and how to identify them, how to turn them around, and how to really work on finding the lasting relationship you're looking for by identifying those three mistakes. So if you would like that free guide, all you have to do is sign, go into my website, which is lastfirstdate.com, and sign up on my homepage because I want to help you go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by audible.com. They are a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. Get a free book and a free 30-day trial when you sign up at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. That's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. Pretty good deal. Free book, free 30-day trial. And now it's my pleasure to introduce you to today's guest, Kimberly Hart. Kimberly has led intensive retreats for couples. She has been a counselor and relationship expert for over 30 years. In her private practice, she has transformed relationships from a dying love to a metamorphosis experience. 
Her retreats for single women focus on their desires instead of the wants of society. I love that because often we respond to what society wants of us, not not what we want, and many of us don't even know what we want. So I'd love to talk to Kimberly more about that. Um, she's also a post-trauma expert, and she has degrees in sociology, psychology, and psychiatry, and she has founded a revolutionary method of responding to the psychological needs of thousands after a major disaster. She has hosted her own talk show, and she's recognized as the go-to expert for major networks for counsel on navigating emotional distress. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for being on the show today. I, I love all the things that you've done with your life. You seem like a very energetic and motivated woman. <laughs> Thank you. For so, me, my um, life has been a, cr- a crooked path. I uh, have a commitment in my own life that I wish more of us would make, and that is if my basic functions of feelings aren't fulfilled, I shift what I'm doing. If I'm not happy, if it doesn't have adventure, if it isn't a place I can be loving and matter and have significance, then I don't want to do it. Mm. I don't blame you, and it is hard for most people to get to that point. And the interesting thing is I was just discussing this topic with a friend of mine who's probably, maybe he's 30, a new father. Um, He's got two little little ones at home. And he's just starting out as a parent and and really kind of grappling with who he wants to be. And he said, I'm really lucky. I I feel really spoiled. Um, I have a job that allows me to come home and have dinner every night with my kids. And sometimes I have to go back to work and at home um, afterwards, but I make it, you know, make it my business to show up and be home. And he said, but so many people, I, I, I was talking to him about how he, he likes his work and he's able to create this life. And I said, this is a choice you've made. And he said, well, but a lot of people aren't happy at work, but this is kind of a new thing that we we are even at this place where we can make these choices. You know, maybe a hundred years ago, people weren't really thinking about what's going to make me happy. So a lot has changed in in the last few decades, and especially where we live. Um, We're lucky to have choices, and we're very privileged here in the United States where, where we're taping the show from, but I'm sure in many other countries, people don't have the same privileges. I think it's really important to recognize that no one can control your mind regardless of the amount of freedom you have, you have freedom inside of yourself. And Mm -hmm. I sit on the board of the Afghan Women's Writing Project where we help women who are literally locked away and cannot come out either behind the burqa or uh, behind closed doors to have a voice. There's always a way to have a voice. And here, when it comes to love, it's really important that we listen to that voice as to what it's really saying. Is it a healthy voice or is it a voice where we always end up in the same place? And that's Mm -hmm. worth looking at. Absolutely. And I love what you said about how no one can control your mind. And we have seen that over and over in the worst situations, in the Holocaust and Nelson Mandela sitting in prison, you know, people who have really overcome the boundaries of of prison in their lives to go on to live healthy lives in their in, because they have the mindset 
that helps them do that. Yes, and there's a lot of different kinds of prisons. And here, for most of us, it's not a prison that has iron bars. It's a prison inside of ourselves. And the journey inward is how we stop being our own guards and our own prisoners simultaneously. Yes. So so let's go a little deeper into that the, the steps that it takes to go inward. So in your book, you talk about a four-step process. So can you just describe what those steps are, please? Sure. Get Love is set up into two parts. The first part of the book is a series of love letters. So for for perhaps the first time, you can see a healthy relationship from hello to what happens. And we won't share what happens. Read the book. And (laughs) during those love letters, you can find yourself, either find yourself to what you hope or find yourself to where you've been. And I have comments that I make between the love letters to help you feel even deeper about what is true about love and intimacy as we walk through love letters. So that first chapter will give you a flavor of what it's like. The second Mm -hmm. half of the book is okay. You've walked this path with Adam and I. Now let's get down to brass tacks. What is true about why you believe what you believe about love? Most of us create our belief systems before we're seven years old. They're laid down by our child because of intense focus, intense emotion, and, oh, that's how the world works. So how we feel about men, how we feel about women, how we feel about marriage and love and dating is run by our child. Think about that. It was our Mm -hmm. child that laid down most of our beliefs. And what the second half of the book talks about is that your beliefs are all stored in your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind has two jobs, to store all the information you've ever been exposed to, and the second is to make sure that whatever you ordered your subconscious mind to do in the form of beliefs happens. So if you believe love hurts, because that's what you learned as a child, and you have not rewired that, no matter what you try, what skills you learn, what epiphanies you have as far as insights are concerned, you're going to end up in the same place unless you rewire your subconscious mind. And sadly, we've known this for about 30, 40 years now how to do this, and most practitioners have not yet jumped on the bandwagon. So let's not wait for them. Let's have you do it for yourself. The first step Mm. is to discover what is it you want to change. Now, we're talking about beliefs here. So how do you know what belief you want to change? Sit down with your best friend. They will know exactly how you feel about love, how you feel about Mm -hmm. men. You know exactly because they watch you do it every day. Men can't be trusted. How many times have you thought or said that? Men won't talk about their feelings. How often have you done that? Whatever it is that is your persistent pattern that's the belief we want to change. And, and if, if, after the first step is explained, there's some exercises you can do to really hone it down. The second step, why in the world have you been hanging on to that for all of this time? It's not because you're dumb. It's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're wrong. It's because you're miswired and you didn't want to give it up. It was protecting you in some way. So the second step is to really acknowledge, why have I hung on to this? And there's a series of seven questions that perhaps later on we can go into. The third is to forgive yourself. Perhaps the keystone of all real change is to our willingness to forgive ourselves 
for taking so long. When we're over 40, that's what we're thinking. Oh, we t- I took so long to get here. Hey, you're here now. Forgiveness for the pain you've caused yourself and others. And the third step, to actually enter into your subconscious mind in the form of a visualization and reorder it. The visualization is set up so that your subconscious mind knows what you're asking of it because your subconscious mind does not speak English. It speaks very much like a computer, ones and zeros. It speaks intense focus, intense emotion, and a choice. Hmm. Wow. Um, so the the steps um, are really just getting clarity. What is it you want to change? Then and identify those things. Um, what the patterns are. Step two, why are you hanging on to those beliefs and realize that it has been protecting you but it's not serving you anymore? Um, Then you forgive yourself, and this is huge, having self-compassion. I get so many clients who say, "Why? where were you 20 years ago? Why couldn't I have known this when I was, you know, getting married the first time? Um, You know, it's, it's about that you're here now. You know, you had to go through all these things to get to where you are now. And then to reorder um, and rewire. So um, I love that. This is very clear. And people people do have trouble at each level, at each step. And and do you think, like, most people's best friend would really give them the truth? <laughs> if they're really best friends, I would think absolutely. If they're really yeah, your best friend, they're so. going to tell you the truth. And yeah. if they don't, there are exercises that you can do that are listed in the book that help you actually define and delineate it. And if you just sit down for a few quiet moments and go, what if, what pattern have I always done? Do I always feel abandoned? Do I feel unworthy? Do I feel as if my love isn't good enough? Whatever it is that you know is your repeated pattern, there it is. And the first step, really take a look at, notice what it is that you want to change. It's, in the book, it's called Recognize. And then do the work to acknowledge why you've done it so that you know what to forgive and then forgive it and move into the actual change step. Because, you see, everything else is growth. And growth is not change. It is simply growth. Wonderful, absolutely beneficial, but it is not change. It is, mm. it is, there is a difference between the two. So people are petrified of change. And I'm... I'm imagining that's why you're you're defining it as not change. Um, it's you know that people people tell me all the time I'm I'm so afraid of change. Um, so why are people so petrified of of change in their life? Change demands that we are willing to step into the unknown, and we're afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. We are uncomfortable with change. Some people are truly terrified, and they are stuck and. And the fear of being stuck and never having anything more than they have now is not as great as the fear of not knowing what to do. And sometimes it's about control. And the problem with control is that, I beg your pardon, the problem about control is that control and love cannot exist in the same space. So you have to weigh it out. Do I want to control the situation or do I want to allow love into my life? It's really important that we think about that. Do we want control or love? And the fear 
of the unknown can become excitement if you recognize how often you have put yourself in the unknown. Have you ever gone on an explore in the car? You just got in the car with a friend and you just went to explore and you didn't know you were go- where you were going and for sure you were going to get lost, but who cared? Women tend to do really well with getting lost. We don't panic quite as much as men do. So don't panic when you get into the unknown. You won't know. And and what is interesting is that people like Sandy will give you the skill sets you need to be in the unknown more comfortably. So weigh this out. You know what you know right now, and this is the best you will ever have if you stay here. Only you can make the decision whether that's good enough. I on the other hand, highly recommend that you risk, and that's the second reason that we so fear change, that you risk having more in your life. Oh, well, I end up with less. No, you won't. That's just a lie your negative ego tells you. Will you mm-hmm. risk more love, more passion, more hope, more sense of mattering, things that you've given yourself and not waited for someone else to give you. Because if you have those things, then just think about the quality of a man you will attract if you are that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the, so you just mentioned something else that's really important, which is that there's support out there, that we don't have to do things alone. I think that's one of the other parts that really frightens people is, they think they have to know all the answers, and if they somehow don't know them, they feel shame about that or they feel overwhelmed, and then it's hard for them to move forward. So um, there's so many resources. There's you, there's me, there's there's tons of people out there who, who are good at helping people move beyond a lot of these fears. Um, so please take advantage of of the support that's out there. Um, I don't know anyone who's really good at what they do who doesn't have an ongoing mentor, who isn't mm-hmm. continually learning their own life. I've had one mentor for 33 years, and I added a second one about seven years ago. So every mm. week of my life, almost every week of my life, I speak to one or the other of my mentors to solve problems. No, 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 those days are over as they can be over for you, but how to have a much more rich, much more fulfilled life so you wake up happy almost every day. Now, how about that mm-hmm. for a concept? I love that. And I I tell people all the time, I have so much accountability built into my life to get things done and to move forward in my life. I have two partners, two accountability partners that I speak to weekly. I have two groups that I belong to that keep me on track with my goals. I have a mentor for my business. I have a mentor. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you don't don't operate in a vacuum. And um, so it's, it's important for people to know that no matter where you are, there, it's always good to be, what I say, it's always good to be mentoring and being mentored. It's it's good to have people on either end um, to keep you fresh and, and to stimulate you and to make you feel fulfilled. I think it's the most satisfying thing we can actually consciously do is choose to give and receive and mm-hmm. and any level of our lives. Yes, I agree. So on your website, um, I saw a quote that I really liked, and um, you wrote, love frightens us, be brave. Yes. And so what is what is the most, we talked a few minutes ago, you spoke about risk. What is the most frightening thing that you find that people are frightened of in love? They say that they will lose it, 
but the truth is that they will never have it the way they want it. And mm-hmm. so I use that belief in Get Love, How to Transform Your Love Life, as the belief I walk through the entire book with and how I had to face that one. Years ago, my belief was love hurts, and it always did. Oh, I had one relationship after another that hurt. And I finally sat myself down and went after that. And then I continued to change my beliefs until I was very happy with how I was handcrafting my life. And then I met Adam. And what relationships do is they put right smack in front of your face something you haven't yet dealt with. And for me it was, I will never be loved the way I want to be loved. Not that I won't have love, but it won't be the way I want to be loved. So when we think about what is our fear of love, it has many different categories. Perhaps the ones that are most prevalent on our minds is, I could be really hurt, because love demands vulnerability. And that's why Mm -hmm. a third of the world's population chooses not to get their love source through romantic relationships. Instead, they choose to get that through families and and friends. It takes bravery to choose to want to do that, and it is a commitment of time and energy. And for some people, it just doesn't work for them. And there's nothing wrong with those people, and our society suggests that there is, and it's simply not true. That's just not their path this time. If for you Mm -hmm. the path is love and you really want to have that love, then you need to tell yourself the truth. There's some skills you need to learn and some rewiring you need to do. And, And I think that there's a pandemic of loneliness on this planet. We are lonely in our relationships. We are lonely at work. The millennial generation, people born between 1980 and 2000, are the loneliest generation we've ever created. They are connected but not with their heart. We call that an accord, connected with the heart. They're not connected there, and they are so lonely. So we have all these lonely people around us, and and they really depend upon us to get happy, to find the love we want, if indeed we do want a romantic relationship, because they look to us for role modeling. And too often role modeling loneliness and unfulfillment. And you deserve it for yourself. It Mm -hmm. takes courage. And again, you don't have to do it alone. I didn't. Sandy didn't. None of us who are really healthy did. Don't do it alone. You don't have to. Not only is it more fun, but as women, we don't often lean appropriately. Leaning on someone for a short while to offer you skills, to offer you solace, to offer you ways to rethink about situations, and in my case, to literally rewire how you believe. Those things are well within what you can do, and you deserve to do it. You absolutely Mm -hmm. deserve it. The only one who doesn't believe it, if you say, no, I can't do it now, is you. You're the only one. The rest of us are rooting for you. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> um, and and thank you for sharing your story and um, what your limiting belief used to be, um, and because that was your past experience, and so you kept finding that to be true, correct? It's like you you had a belief, and so that's what you found. I grew up in a very violent home where love hurt. So with intense Mm -hmm. focus, with intense feelings, I decided, oh, that's how it works. And that's what men did, Mm -hmm. and that's what women did. And I decided that I didn't want to be, in my vernacular, a sick puppy any longer. I didn't want to, oh, and I looked very good on the outside. Oh, don't misunderstand. I looked very good. I was an overachiever. Mm -hmm. 
but boy, unhappy, lonely, sure that I was a fraud because I was masking myself with the world. You just don't have to live that way. And Mm -hmm. here's something else I've learned along the way. If you have a past that is filled with pain, absolutely do the work to end it. Get help to do that. But we don't have to be in pain to decide to change and grow. In fact, I would like to suggest that the most brilliant change is done when you have gotten to the ground zero, which is happy. It is from happy that you begin to put your wings on and fly high. We teach in our society, because it's part of our culture, that the best learning, the most significant learning comes after pain. Well, if you're going to have pain, then make the lemonade and change. But that's not the best time to change. The best time to change is when everything is going great in your life. Go see Mm -hmm. Sandy when everything is great Mm -hmm. in your life. How fast the two of you will move, how high you will fly, will be phenomenal. Mm. Well, thank you, and I'll say the same back to you. Um, it's it's really, people don't realize that, you know, also just attracting the right person into your life is not enough. It's also how do you change how you are in relationship um, once you have that great person, because often we sabotage. So we sabotage along the way. We sabotage in the attraction process. We sabotage in the relationship process. And there was an article recently in the New York Times that that pretty much went viral about the 36 questions to ask um, the person that you're with in order to really um, fall in love with pretty much anyone. Did you read that article? No, I didn't. Instead, I read the one that, that said... I didn't know about that, but I will go get it. The one that outraged me was the one that said, in order to have a successful relationship, you must lie. Oh, my God. I didn't see that one. Yes. Yes. Wow. It was startling. Oh, my God. Well, this is like the opposite of that one, because what this one was, was it was based on a study by a, a psychologist who was a university professor, and he paired up people in an experiment to see... Uh, he did he did two studies. One one was the control, and one was using these 36 questions that really got people to get really vulnerable with each other. And they and they they started out fairly mild, like when's the last time you sang for yourself or for others. And then there was a question in there to um, stare into that person's eyes for four minutes, which is a really difficult thing to do. And it's what are your passions? What, what's a dream that you have that you haven't fulfilled and why? Like really deep questions. And um, and you learn so much about the person you're with, and it doesn't have to be a lover or a partner. And he found that people were falling in love with each other who were paired up together because they got to know each other, stripped away from all of the pretense that we generally use in conversation. Um, So the whole idea of vulnerability, which was a new idea to me after my divorce and how important vulnerability is in relationships, Um, this article about the 36 questions points to it. What you're talking about today points to the importance of vulnerability. Be brave, meaning let your heart be open. You know, let let yourself be open and take risks because... If you're not, you're not having an honest relationship with anyone, including yourself. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree with that. Vulnerability for so many people is the big V, back, back, 
you know, you hold up your hand and you step back <laughs> because you could be hurt. And yeah. I would wonder if the 36 questions um, help you put down who you are not. Oftentimes what having a happy life is about is not becoming someone that you're not. It's dropping away your shields. And as Sandy, as you mentioned, it is important to do that. And I don't know if it's those specific 36 questions. What I admire about it is the time and commitment it would take to answer 36 questions with a level of intimacy and vulnerability and humility. Of course, that allows you the opportunity to fall in love. And then the question becomes, what is falling in love? You know you are loved if you feel safe, if you feel cared for, if you feel cared about, if you know that your feelings matter, which translate that you are respected. If when all is said and done, this person puts your feelings on the same level as their own, now, I say that with caution because if you continually always put someone else's feelings first, you will become a martyr and you will be walked on. I said as much as their own. Those are the, those are the feelings you should have when you're in a relationship, a place to be safe to give love, a place to be safe to receive love. Then the list that we made when we were in our 20s of the perfect guy becomes ludicrous. Instead, mm-hmm. in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, we make a list of how do we want to feel when we're with this person. Mm. I love that you say that because I, I say this all the time. I, You know, people come with their lists, and he's got to be taller than me. He's got to have, you know, a full head of hair. He has to go to the gym every day. You know, while health is important and attraction is important, none of it matters if you don't have what's inside, if you don't feel safe and cared for. And I usually have people break down, what does he, who does he need to be for you to feel safe? What does he need to be doing? How do you need to be feeling when you're with him? People don't think that way. And, um, you know, that people talk about emotional safety. They talk about financial security. That's one of my favorites because um, to me that's a myth. Um there really is no such thing as financial security because you can lose everything if you have money in stocks and they fall. Um, You can get fired from your job and you can be a really responsible person. And so it's really about responsibility. It's about how that person's living their life and how you're living. And, And I also really, really believe that the person you attract is in direct correlation to your self-esteem and how you feel about your own worth. And the higher your self-worth, the the higher the quality of the person that's going to fall in love with you and you're going to be with. What do you think? I totally agree with that. There is a basic law of physics, and it goes like this. When two vibrating forces come together, given enough time, they'll vibrate in harmony. So, Sandy, you and I are out to lunch. We're having a high time. We're talking about things that really matter. We're having a substantive talk. And a third person joins us who's having a bad day. Now, we have three choices to lower our energy, because in our society we think that's only respectful, someone's having a bad day, so everyone starts getting really quiet because, after all, they're having a bad day. And so that person has lowered two other human beings' energy for that day. We Mm. can decide not to lower our energy, and just by sitting there with us, whether they enter our conversation or not, they will leave the table feeling better. 
The third choice is that they can't tolerate wanting to feel better, and they leave because you and I refuse to lower our energy. Now, I'm not talking about, when I say lower our energy, I'm not talking about talking around someone or being rude. I'm talking really that's how physics, that's the physics of it. So if you, the physics of it is that you are a happy person. You have crafted a life for yourself that you are proud of. When you know that you are worthy of all the goodness and truth that the universe has to provide, when you know that you love yourself, you are in love with yourself and the person you've created, and you have a plethora of love coming in. Now, for me, a plethora is two or three, four other people because I don't like big crowds. I work in big crowds and speak to them, but in my personal life, I have a, a... low tolerance for big parties and things like that. So for me, that's Mm -hmm. a plethora. You have to decide what's true for you. We all need to decide that at some point we are the most important person to be in love with, which is not narcissism. It is preparing ourselves to whatever is next in life. Sometimes that's a relationship, and sometimes we discover we don't want to do that. Or we don't want it to do it the way society says. I have a friend who, at 77, is now looking for another relationship. And she's decided that she probably will never live with another man again. And they will both have their own homes. And they will meet when it is right for them to meet, weekends or whatever. And I know more than a handful of relationships who have decided that's the most successful relationship for them. We each mm-hmm. need to decide and have the courage to to have the relationship be what fits for us and not how relationships have always been. Mm. That's such an important point. And, well, you just said a whole bunch of things that were great. But, uh, um, first of all, to, to really honor if you're more introverted and you need to be in smaller groups, and you need to honor that. You need to honor how you function best, absolutely. Um but the the part about like how relationships look um it it's different for for everybody and i just recently gave an online workshop um about online dating and one of the women who who was on the who was in the group was upset with one of the guys who was i i brought in a man panel at the end of men for them to talk to and talk talk about what they're looking for and what turns them on in an online profile and Anyway, one of the men was saying that he doesn't want to get married again. And so the woman wrote me this scathing letter, like, I was so turned off by that guy because he's such a player. And, you know, he sounds like he's just disposing of women and, and just, anyway, I, I, was, I was surprised. But that came from her story. That came from what she believes because of her past. And so I wrote to her telling her that I wouldn't have brought him on the man panel if I thought that he was that kind of guy. Um, I don't think she believed me in the end, but I said, you know, you don't have to get married to be a person who's not a player. And not everybody wants to get married, but he's actually a really good person and he wants a relationship. He's not looking for disposable relationships. So that was a, a perfect example of somebody who totally misinterpreted because of her own wiring. Right. We see through our veils. Whatever pain mm-hmm. we still hold, we will interpret the world through them. And the sad thing is that when someone tries to love us and it has to go through our veils of resentment or anger or pain or fear, 
that by the time the love hits us, we don't interpret it the way they sent it. Mm-hmm. And and your your story brings me to another thought. If a third of the world's population really doesn't want a love mate type situation, and a third of the world population does, that leaves a third left. The other third mm-hmm. is people who want consecutive relationships, and they handle those relationships with honor and with respect. And maybe one relationship lasts 10 years and maybe one relationship lasts 10 months. But the thought of spending 50 years with one person is appalling. And so mm-hmm. that's the whole world. Some want it, some don't, and some want it consecutively. To judge anyone that chooses to have a particular lifestyle that fits for, for them doesn't work. Judgment just means you're trying to keep people at arm's length. And it is sad that that woman is in so much pain and that she's hanging on to that pain. Yeah. Yeah, and that she can't see it. That's that's also yeah. really sad. Yeah. Um, so um, I want to take another quick break to give another shout-out to our sponsor. We're just going to take out another minute, and then we come back to Kimberly Hart talking about love, how to rewire yourself to attract love into your life and, and take some risks and, and really live that vibrant, full life. Um, so we are really happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, and they are a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Um, are, is your book on Audible, Kimberly? Not yet. We're in the process of recording it, but I am a fan. I ha- literally have hundreds of books that I get from Audible.com, with no exaggeration. Oh, cool. Uh, and what do you like about them? They go everywhere with me. Planes, mm-hmm. cars, walking down the street, exercising. I now have something of my choosing to entertain me. And sometimes fiction books are entertaining, but sometimes nonfiction books I do better listening to. And so mm-hmm. I do my learning that way as well. Mm, I love it. And I'm I'm very similar to you in that I really like to be listening to the spoken word um, when I'm traveling and when I'm out and about, much more than just listening to what's on the radio. It's all about choice. We get lots of choices. We're lucky. And so, like, make and making use of your time in the best way possible. So, with over 150,000 titles that you can choose from and listen to anywhere on any device, um, all you need to do is sign up at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date, and you'll get your free audiobook and your free month of the service. So some of the bestsellers right now are All the Light We Cannot See, which is a novel by Anthony Doerr. Um, read it for my book club, loved it. And Fifty Shades of Grey, which I just went with my boyfriend to see this weekend. I'm about to write a blog post about my thoughts on the book and the uh, and the movie. Did you see it yet? Kimberly, have you seen it? I can't hear you. Um, no, I, I did not see it. Um, I read okay. the first two, and then, frankly, got a little boring, so <laughs> I stopped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were not well written, um, but they, but it, but it is an interesting. It's an interesting series. It brought it, it brought sex and um, a lot of things to light, and I thought it started a lot of interesting conversations about about making sex more interesting, about hard limits and soft limits, and and um, sort of talking about stuff that people don't normally talk about. I think a lot of people have boring sex lives um, and don't realize what's possible. So I think in that vein, it did create a nice conversation. Um, I but think I have men a lot were to say. shocked. 
I think men were shocked at the age of women that were buying this book and and how interested women were in, in as you said, thinking about different ways to have sex and, and to share their love and, and and what is it in the bedroom, what is right and what is wrong and and I think it served I think it served women very well that way, and I think it probably enhanced many different discussions and relationships. And honey, let's try this. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. So I think you know you can criticize the writing all you want, um, and, you know, but it's it definitely served a purpose, and I'm all into serving purposes to help enhance our our, our relationships and in any way possible. Um, one of one of my favorites. I haven't gotten this yet, but there's a book called Yes Please, written by Amy Poehler, and it's narrated by Amy Poehler, Carol Burnett, Seth Meyers, Mike Shore, Eileen Poehler, who's um, Eileen and William Poehler, who are Amy's parents, Kathleen Turner, and Patrick Stewart, and it's basically a dinner party with all these people um, in attendance, and it's. Right, sounds hysterical, and you can't get that in a book. You can you can only get that in an audio book. Um, so try out Audible um, by going to audibletrial.com forward slash last first date, and I want to thank you for your support of Last First Date's radio sponsor, Audible, and for giving yourself the gift of spoken audio entertainment. And now back to Kimberly Hart. So let's talk about um, the idea of home growth, which you talk about in part two of your book. Um, can you explain what you mean by that and why it's important? It's a metaphor on three levels. It certainly is the energy you put into your love life at home. You are at home where it's safe, where you hopefully have created an environment where you can really dig in and learn more about yourself. It's a metaphor about coming home to your own heart, to reveal yourself to yourself on how is it that you really want to be in the world and to ask yourself those questions that reveal yourself to yourself. And the third Mm -hmm. one is to create yourself, to handcraft your life in such a way that you are absolutely proud of who you are on the day that you leave this planet, on the day that you go home. Mm. I love that. So many people live in regrets and of in regret of the things that they've done and they haven't done and instead of focusing on what they can do and what they can create and they don't realize how much control they have of creating the life they love. So I love that um really being proud of what you've created at the end of your life. Yes. But not to wait to the end of their life. So many people say, yeah. well, on my deathbed I want to be happy. No, no, be happy now. Be happy mm-hmm. now. And and do the work it takes to find out why you're not. It's not hard. It just takes some energy. It's nowhere mm-hmm. near as hard as suffering every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, it takes so much less energy than than dealing with suffering and pain. Um, Have you ever noticed yes. that you can come home really tired, it's been a long day, you're just hanging your head, and then someone calls and offers you to do something that you have always wanted to do, and all of a sudden you have all the energy you could possibly want? Mm-hmm. Life is like that. 
when you yeah. think that each day can bring you what you want, and and then people say, "Oh, Kimberly, you don't understand." Oh, yeah, I do understand. That's the problem. I do understand. <laughs> you can handcraft your life, and and I don't want to give you any wiggle room around that because what an insult to you and your ability to create your own life that would be. I know you can do this and get love. How to transform your love life is one of the answers, not the only answer, but one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I t- I'm such a believer in this. And um, I have a new client who is a man. Um, he's in his 20s, and he's just started working with me. And um, and he said to me that he we're in a Toastmasters together. Um, and um, and he he's heard my story many times because I give speeches about where I came from and my own life transformation. And and he said, you know, you created your life at age. I was 52 when I got divorced. My life is or 51. My life is nothing like the life I led up until that point um, because I I went to coaching school. I became certified. Then I became the dating coach that I am today. But I I realized so many of my limiting beliefs and changed everything. I changed my career from being an artist full-time to being a coach full-time. I started raising my children differently um, because for the first time I had control over how I wanted them to be raised in, in my house. And they respected me in such a way that they never did before. And um, we have an amazing relationship. I have three children. Um, they're all entrepreneurial and creative and interesting people. And um, it, it just in so many ways, I have just feel like I'm. I can't even remember the person I was. Um, and and I believe change is possible like that for everyone. I, I also happen to love change because it's so exciting um, and I and so empowering. And many people never get to that point where they even get to see that, um, which is sad to me. It is really sad. And regardless of your past, you can choose who you want to be. And, and sometimes choosing a metaphor is helpful. I see myself as a swashbuckler. I'm the captain of my own pirateering ship and I go into <laughs> places that you're not supposed to go and I tempt things that you're not supposed to tempt. I'm not talking about breaking the law, I'm talking about breaking <laughs> social mores and and I and my mentor and I work with that. When when I am stuck in the mud, we talk about, all right, let's get that part of me out of the box and put her back on the the helm of her ship where she should be. And so mm. metaphors sometimes are really helpful. Mm-hmm. I love metaphor. Um, as an artist, I'm very visual and, and very into metaphor. And um, for a while, when I first started coaching, I taught a painting workshop that um, was all about the process, not about the, the end product. And I would do a guided meditation um, that was very metaphor-based to help people get really centered into their core. And so when they started painting and listening to beautiful music in the background, they were able to let go and paint for the first time in their lives without judgment and criticism. And the self-discovery process was amazing. I really want to get back to this because it's so powerful. But it's it's just when you release and you can flow and let go, it's it's amazing what can happen. It is. In, in so many areas of your life, isn't that what is necessary for good sex? Isn't that what's necessary for good creation? Isn't that what's necessary for good love? 
you control mm-hmm. and love cannot exist in the same space simultaneously. We have to decide which one we want. Mm-hmm. Really true. That's my goal is to keep getting closer and closer to being in that flow and being so connected to core values and the core of who you are and make sure that you're making every decision from that place. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your book, Get Love, and um, that you, you approach the issues of love, relationships, and change in your book in a revolutionary way. So can you talk about how all three love relationships and change are interconnected and um, and how you speak about it in the book. I think that we've spent many years honing a craft, whether it is being a coach, whether it is knitting, whether it is writing, whether it is ch- child rearing. We've spent immense focus learning how to do that, but we spend almost no time at all really learning how love works. So if we break it down, intimacy and love are different things. Intimacy is close, open, tender, trusting, there's a big one, knowing, vulnerable, caring, and loving. That's intimacy. Love is very much consistent but not constant. And what that means is, let's use the metaphor of the ocean. The ocean, if you go down to the shore, there it is, is bigger than you can possibly imagine. And when the wave comes in, it tickles your toes, and then it goes out. But even though the wave is out, the ocean's still there. Love is like that. When you are in love with someone and the wave comes in and smacks you, oh, your biochemistry shifts, everything is so exciting, everything in life is easier, literally, truly easier. It's not just your biochemistry, it's your thoughts change, your feelings change, and so life works well. And then one day you're sitting across the kitchen table from this person who brought so much joy into your life as you did into theirs, and you go, what am I doing here? Because in that moment you no longer love them. The tide's out. So what holds you in place when the tide of love is out? Because there are days that you will not love them. There are days you will not even like them. What holds you in place is intimacy. You know them. You've taken the time to let them know you. You care about them. You trust them. You would no more say, I'm out of here because I don't love you today, than the man in the moon. And I have an acquaintance who wrote a, a divorce book, and story after story talks about how they left too soon because the way of, of love was out. Mm-hmm. Understanding that intimacy and love most, must exist simultaneously to have a, a successful relationship. And then if you want a stellar relationship, you have to add humility. Humility means that you allow every moment, every day to be new. So if they always do something that drives you crazy and you've discussed it with them, the next day you don't expect that they're going to do it the way that drives you crazy again. You allow the space and the room for them to be different. Remember the law of physics. When two vibrating forces come together, you have to shift your vibration, your thoughts, your feelings, which gives them room to grow and to be different. And that's how those are the skills we need to learn to be in relationships and to put as much focus into learning how to have what we say we want more than anything, which is love, as we do changing our wardrobe, getting a new hairdo, learning to put on makeup, learning skills. As much energy needs to go into learning what love is and what it is not as we do anything else. Mm -hmm. 
what it is not is a big one, too, <laughs> um, because we have such false notions about what love is. Um, and so we talked before about the list, but we also have Hollywood and we have romance novels and we have this romantic ver- vision of love being that, that initial stage of that big ocean. And the waves do come in and out and things do change and people are changeable and not always predictable and people have moods and they have and life happens and you know so, so people talk about conditional unconditional love and you know so to me what you're describing is also about there's a sense of unconditional in here but there's always conditions so can you tell me how you feel about unconditional love cuz it's kind of tied in a little bit here it does Unconditional love means that you love that person whether you choose to be with them or not. Their behavior Mm. might not be worthy of you being in their presence. Their lack of behavior, meaning that they sit like a lump on a log, you might then choose not to be with them. That doesn't mean you don't care about them. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It means that you love yourself to such a degree that you know how you want to feel in your life and you don't feel that way and you've put the time and energy in and it's not going anywhere. So you don't necessarily stop loving them unless the two of you, and notice I said two of you, not him, the two of you mm-hmm. have created a relationship of such destruction that you can't possibly like them, much much love them anymore. And if you let a relationship go that bad, then you need to look to yourself about what you believe is possible in love. Unconditional love means that you're willing to allow the flow of love from you go out. And people can do what they want with that or not. That has nothing to do with the quality of your love. Hmm. Yeah, I think people get a little confused here because um, they often feel like, well, I should love somebody unconditionally. There are conditions in terms of of behaviors and respect and cherishing another human being um, that when that's not there, that you love yourself enough to not stay um, yes. if you've tried to work that out. But um, So I'm not sure what you mean by you choose to be with that you whether you love them whether you choose to be with them or not like how if you if if your relationship so yes it does take two i agree and it's what you both have created by either whatever action or inaction but um can you explain a little bit more about how you can still love somebody um if if the distance is so great and and, and the flow is not there and there is destruction sure um, most of my relationships, I am still in contact, and two of them are my dearest friends. But mm. when we ended the relationship, there needed to be a break because we're not, we weren't liking each other very much then. And then mm-hmm. the love came, and I love them. I just choose not to be with them. I don't. Mm-hmm. There were things about that relationship that didn't work for both of us, and we parted before we destroyed each other. There are relationships in my past, distant past, that that I care that they are doing well in the world, but I want nothing to do with them. I, I, I want them mm-hmm. in my life. The relationship right. was broken to the point where I did not want contact. I don't wish them not well. 
I, mm-hmm. there is a difference between having criteria and boundaries as to what is acceptable and not acceptable behavior and you being a loving person. Always, always, always loving yourself first because women mm-hmm. tend to martyr themselves because we were taught we're the giving ones. There's a new study out that's appalling, and that is in the work environment. If a woman executive who is stellar gives 30% of her time to make sure that other people are moving ahead in the company and a man gives 3% of his time, he will be promoted before her because that's expected of her. And if it's a him, he is doing something extra. So they're Mm. competing on the same level. They are providing the same amount of service to the company, plus she is doing the additional bonus in the company of making sure that the company has a future by mentoring those under her. And Hmm. her promotion rate is decreased for giving that in. As women, we, by our culture, are expected to give on that level, and what I suggest is you give because it's right for you, and you don't give when it's not right for you. Boundaries mm-hmm. are incredibly important. Mm, I so agree with you. Such an important thing. Wow, what a study. Um, yeah, there's a lot to say about giving, and I, that's one of the big things that comes up with my clients as well. It's it's training women to, in relationships as well, to not, not give and give and give without receiving. It's yes. it's learning to lean lean back <laughs> as opposed to lean in in relationships and let let a man give to you. Learn to receive. That's it's one of the hardest things. Um I totally agree. Comes, I think it is the hardest thing for women is receiving, not giving. Mhm. Mhm. I agree. Um well, we're almost out of time here. Um <laughs> So this has been such a, a, a wonderful hour with you, um, Kimberly. I, I could talk to you for another hour or two. Um, and um, if you could let let our audience know how they can reach you and where they can find you, that would be great. You can get love um, at in Amazon or just go to getlove.com. We made it real easy. You, what do you want? Love. Getlove.com, and you can reach me that way, and you can get the book either on Amazon or at the website. Excellent. Um, well, I, I hope that your book sells out, and uh, you uh, you wrote a book that sounds wonderful. I can't wait to read it, and um, your our audience will benefit greatly from, from reading your book and following your guidelines because... You, what you're sharing today are such healthy principles for for living a better life, for living a, a full, whole life, and having wholehearted, loving relationships. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Kimberly. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. My, my pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening in today. And I hope that you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>